Hi, uh, my name is Grant Moore. I'm the president and CEO of SPC Nickel Corp. Uh, SPC Nickel Corp is a TSXV listed company. Our focus is on nickel, primarily within the Sudbury mining camp in Ontario, Canada. Uh, our flagship asset is our Lockerbie East project, which we just recently had an announcement about, about with uh, combining assets with Valet Canada. Um, yeah, and that's we have other projects across Canada, but nickel is our primary focus. Grant, thank you very much for the introduction. Nice to meet you. Uh, it's my first uh, interview with SBC Nickel. Uh, it's a company I, I haven't come across before. Uh, can you tell me about how it got started? Because I believe you haven't been listed that long. And, and what does the SBC stand for? Well, the SBC really is kind of a combination of the previous name of the company. We used to operate as a private company uh, and we were called Sudbury Platinum Corp. So we condensed that and, uh, and when we took the company public. Um, as I said, we operated as a private company from 2014 uh, up until just almost two years ago where we took the company public. So we're relatively new. Uh, you know, we have been around for a while in the Sudbury area, but uh, kind of new on as a public company and just trying to get our name and our story out. Uh, is this your first uh, kind of rodeo as as a public company CEO? It is. Uh, traditionally, I have been in the uh, in the back as the uh, exploration manager and the guy in the field. So this is my first step into the into the into the spotlight as the CEO. Your team has grown when they see you coming because they they, <laughs> they 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 know they know, know within the field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good and 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 the, the last two years have been it haven't have they haven't been the easiest two years of um the market. How's it been for you? Yeah, I would agree with you. The markets have been up and down. I mean, things that are just unpredictable from the pandemic to the war in Ukraine, things that you just can't plan ahead for. Uh, it has been a challenge, uh, but you know our shareholders like our story, like what we're doing. You know we are following through with our plans, and you know we feel like we're growing and expanding this company. 2020 was a terrible year, and so much value was kind of lost in the sector. Uh, what price did you raise capital when you came to the markets in 2021? Uh, at, at 20 cents. So we raised uh, 8.7 million dollars. Uh, at the at the end of 2020, uh, and we deployed most of that into exploration. Uh, we've since raised money last year, and uh, and and we'll be probably looking to raise additional cash this this year as well. What what did you? How much did you raise, and at what price last year? Uh, we raised about three million dollars in flow through at uh, around 15 cents. We are where we are. You know, your market capitalization is uh, just under 15 million dollars Canadian. Um, but you've put together this uh, this expiration package, and as you say, Lock Lockerbie East is the um, your flagship asset. The news release uh, that you've just put out talks about how you've um, got a deal with Valet on the 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 asset, the other half of the asset. Um, could you just talk about uh, the terms of the deal, please, to, to to start off with? Yeah. So this is it, it's a bit of a unique deal in in compared to your traditional acquisitions. It's something that we've worked on for a very long time, over 12 months of discussions with Valet on this asset. It's not something that they do traditionally very often in Sudbury. I think over the last 25 years between Valet and formerly Inco, there's only been two deals done in Sudbury. And this one is a little bit unique to the other two, but uh, 
you know, what we realized in our discussions were that both companies owned half of an asset. And in order to really unlock the full potential of this asset, we needed to combine it into one. And both companies recognized that. Uh, this was not a core asset for Valet, as they have uh, lots of other things going on in the basin. So they were in a position where they were going to allow SBC the opportunity to develop this asset, move it along, and hopefully move it towards a production stage. Um, you know, what do we get out of that? Uh, well, we get at least the other half of our resource. Uh, currently, right now, the the resource stands at about 10 million tons on our property. So it's a shallow resource, it's close to surface. Uh, and, you know, that equates to over 100 million pounds of contained nickel and around 75 million pounds of contained copper. Uh, the property that Valet holds, which is called the Crean Hill 3 property, uh, we feel, you know, there is historic drilling on it, uh, not enough to complete an updated resource, but at least enough to give us a very good handle on what's there. And we feel that there is at least double to triple the uh, the resource on the other side of the property boundary. So we're starting to talk about a um, you know a, a 200 to 300 million ton pounds of nickel, or sorry, million pounds of nickel contained resource. And you know that's a fairly significant resource. It's an open pitable resource. It's right next door to infrastructure. Um, and the big selling point for us is that under the terms of the deal there's no cash or equity get, uh, that valet receives upon signing so we're not paying anything up front for this resource um, where valet is earning their interest is we've agreed upon a cooperation agreement where we are splitting the profits generated from the project down the road and that's in the form of a net profits interest so after the prop after the project is put into production uh, Valet receives a 37% interest in the net profits generated from the project. But and do they do they have to commit to any? Um, uh, uh, is that non-diluting? Yes. So what? But the caveat in there is that the net profits interest is not paid back until uh, the project returns returns a positive MPV. So all of the uh, all of the capital that's put in from day one, so that's including the expiration drilling, the feasibility study costs, development costs, uh, sustaining capital, uh, mining costs, milling costs, smelting costs, all have to be reimbursed to SPC. And the, the project needs to return a positive NPV at an 8% uh, discount rate before the NPI is triggered. So essentially that will be calculated on a quarterly basis. and if the project makes money at an 8% return, then then Valet sees their NPI. If they don't, then they won't receive an NPI. And, you know, the point to get across is, um, you know, we expect that Valet is contributing between fifth, uh, a half and uh, two thirds of the contained metals to this resource. So those are metals that we didn't have to buy up front and we're simply sharing the profits with valet that come out at the end and that could be many years down the road um nice it's, it's a it's a bit akin to the um kind of the oil industry a kind of a, a um a profit um a psa yeah um yeah um t t i don't understand the bit about the npv8 and the positive because once once you've built it and once you've paid off the capital surely there's just a um 
kind of a, a, a net earnings figure, which of kind of the, 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 the profit, which can then be split 37%, um, 63%. Or uh, where does the NPV8 come into play? The way this deal is structured is after this deposit is put into production, on a quarterly basis, the NPV will be calculated back to day one. And if that NPV is positive, meaning that SPC has recouped its initial investment and at an 8% return, so we've also earned 8% on top of that, then the NPI is triggered and value will be paid out for that profit earned in that quarter. The next quarter... Day one being when you sign the deal or the, yes. the, on the... On the st- yeah. So so the day one being last week or this week? Day one being last week. Yes. So all of the all of the expiration costs that are going to go into the project, all of this the study costs related to feasibility, pre-feasibility, um, uh, engineering, those are all costs that are factored into that NPV. So that NPV is calculated over time at, uh, at an 8% rate. And once that is triggered at some point down the road, that's when Valet pays is paid their NPI 37%. And we end up with 63% of the profit. Okay, I'd like to see that kind of, I'll have to kind of um, digest that. But um, the the future value of money with the discount rate is very small. So the future cash flows are are not huge. But um, okay, that's fine. I, I, I let's leave that there. I think I think I've got it. Um, <clears> that there's also you, you have to commit to a, a the minimum of pre feasibility study by the middle of June or the end of June 2026 and a feasibility study by the end of June 2028. And at that point, you pay a bullet payment of a million dollars Canadian. Yes. And then we earn 100% of the mineral rights and the surface rights of the property. Okay, good. So all of the, all of the, all of the contained metal that is identified through the updating of the resource, we'll own 100% of that, uh, which basically we, pay, we didn't, it was non-dilutive up front, but we simply had to go through the, the studies and complete the work uh, yeah. during that time period. Work that you would be doing anyway, really. I mean, if it yeah. was on a um, good quick question, what, what should I call this? Do I call this West Graham? Do I call it um, um, something Lockerbie East? Do I call it Crean Hill Three? Um, have you got a name for the for, for for the combined entity yet? Yeah, we're we're it, it, yeah, it, it it's a bit of a uh, yeah. We, terminology is always a problem. The entire property is called Lockerbie East. Yeah. Uh, this deposit is the West Graham deposit because there are other there are other deposits on the property outside of this one. So is it going to, so when you combine it with Cream Hill 3, is it going to be called just West Graham? That's what we're going with, yeah. Okay, good. Okay, so let's talk about West Graham in its entirety. So you've drilled um, or you've got historic resources on the, uh, on the eastern portion, which has been yours, and there has been a, a little bit of drilling, I think in the 60s and the 70s perhaps, um, on the on the on the valley side of the of the tenements yeah so our property was there was a res- resource put out in 2009 uh historic resource and that was uh you know categories of indicated and inferred that's just over 10 million tons um it is a you know an open pitable resource it has an average grade of about 0.6 nickel equivalents so it's a little bit unique from Sudbury Sudbury is typically your kind of uh, massive sulfide deposits this is a really thick blebby sulfide deposit which is somewhat unique for salt for Sudbury 
but it's also what makes it uh, amenable by an open pit method is that the zone is pretty thick. It's up to 80 meters in thickness. It comes to surface. So our resource, uh, like I said, extends, has a strike length of about 300 meters, 350 meters. It comes within 40 meters of surface and extends down to about 500 meters in depth. The, the Crean Hill 3 property that we are adding was explored in the late 1950s, 1958 to 1960 is when Valley did, well, at that time it was Inco, did the drilling. Um, it's very wide space drilling, so it's at 100 to 150 meter centers. Uh, from the drilling, I mean, that, the, that spacing is not enough to move it into, uh, to do an updated resource. So we have to do the infill drilling in between. But we do know that that mineralization extends for another 600 meters uh, on the valet property that we are acquiring. So, so that, hence, hence yeah. if you've got 350 meters and there's 600 meters on the other side, that's your estimate for two to double to possibly triple the, um, sorry, same again, or possibly doubling the, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the way we're, I mean, that's the upside. So that means that, uh, um, you know, a significant amount of the resource is actually coming from the valet property. Tell me a bit about the, 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 the geology, because you've said it's kind of potentially 80 meters thick uh, and yet it's got a long strike and a dip. Is this, is this strata bound? Is it some kind of formation which has got preferential uh, or kind of has got sulfides in it? Is it a structural zone? What are we looking at? Yeah. So, so typically in Sudbury, you, you are dealing with massive sulfide that sits at the base of what's called the Sudbury Basin. Uh, this is more of a conformable zone that is just slightly uh, up dip or above this basal contact. So it's essentially a very homogeneous sheet uh, that, you know, is up to 80 meters thick. And in this case, you know, is probably has a strike length of over, over 900 meters and extends down at depth, depth to at least 500 meters. Um, and it's very consistent. The grades are very consistent across. There is a higher grade core within the deposit that gets closer to 1%. And really what another thing that is of, of interest to note is that the grade of this deposit actually gets better as you move towards the property boundary. So that was something that for us was really attractive is that the best grade mineralization where we're getting values of you know, 30, 40 meters of 1% uh, nickel occur right at the property boundary. So we're, we're confident that, you know, that this mineralization, this higher grade mineralization will extend over the boundary and that can, uh, you know, have a big impact on the overall grade of the resource. When you talk about the, the, there being a higher grade core, are you talking about, is it kind of within a lithology and it's kind of, it's, it's the high grade is, is, is in the central portion of that lithology or is there is there some kind of um, controlling feature in the middle of the 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 the, the, the plane of the of the, of the old body? Yeah, typically, you know, we have this eighty meter thick zone, and towards in the middle, towards the base, is this higher grade zone. So there's an envelope. There's a higher grade core with an envelope of slightly lower grade material around this. And really, when you look at the geology, the rocks, there's not really a good uh, stratigraphic control on why that is. Uh, you know, it's something that we're working on and trying to figure out, but it does seem to be quite consistent across the deposit that you do see this higher grade core. We believe that it has something to do with these um, controls of the, the 
the shape and the morphology of the base, the contact. So how the shape, you know, in, in Sudbury, a lot of the mineralization is contained within what's called embayments. So these would be depressions within the base of the Sudbury contact. Uh, and that's what we feel might be controlling these higher grade sections. You say it's um, it, it's it's um, visible kind of minus 40 meters on your property. Does it um, reach surface on the Cream Hill side of things? Yes, and that and that's the other attractive part of this property is that you, you know, you can walk probably 10 to 15 meters across the property boundary and you're standing on the mineralized zone. So it outcrops on the surface. So when you start to think about open pit design, then you can start bringing in the idea of a starter pit that gets right into your higher grade mineralization that you can later expand. And that's one of the attractive nature of this, of this combining this asset. Before we were not able to evaluate the, the our deposit by an open pit because of this property boundary, you know, given the pit walls and needing to leave a boundary, a pillar, that really eliminated that, that potential of looking at that low cost mining techniques of an open pit. Now removing this opens up the entire area for, uh, you know, a potential large open pit down to where we think it, you know, down to maybe 400 meters depth. Well, you think the pit could potentially pull that far down? Yeah. Um, um, early days yet, but it's good to be yeah. thinking that way. Um, <clears throat> uh, what about the mineralogy? Uh, is it pentandite? Is it, is it, is it a nickel sulfide that, um, processes easily is there any oxidation is there glacial till tell me a bit about what the what the processing uh probabilities are, are pointing towards yeah i mean it, it, it's actually another strong characteristic of this de deposit is that it's got a very simple mineralogy uh you are essentially dealing with nickel and copper uh, all the value comes from those two elements with it, as well as a little bit of cobalt uh, this deposit is not high in the precious metals. Uh, it does have silver, but not platinum and palladium gold, which traditionally in Sudbury have been a little harder to recover in the mills. Uh, so this is a very simple nickel copper deposit. It's pentlandite and calcopyrite. So, and because it's, uh, it has very high nickel tenors, which makes it uh, very attractive in the mills. And we feel like it can produce, you know, have very good recoveries and, and produce a good concentrate. Nickel tenors range from about six to eight, which is is fairly high for Sudbury. And any um, oxidation transition material at the surface? No. It's a very simple, uh, kind of boring rock that hosts this. And and overall, there's you know maybe five to ten percent blebi sulfide is the mineralized zone. So it's not a massive sulfide zone. It is a high tenor nickel copper system. Okay, interesting. Uh, and and is the what's what's the host rock? Is it is it is it hard? I mean, have you? It's probably too early to say. But have you done any bond work tests on this? I mean, do you know if it just kind of, it, it's super abrasive or if it's actually um, um, less hard and more amenable to processing or grinding? Well, it is. It the host rock is what's called a norite, and it is the host rock for um, all of the ore in Sudbury. So you know, Sudbury's got a hundred and thirty years of mining history. This material should behave no differently than anything else that has is, is been processed over that time. So it should behave well within the existing mills in town and also the, uh, you know, the experience that people have in, in 
processing this material should be, you know, it, it should be, it should work well. Um, and I don't know the, um, the, the, the detail, I don't know much at all, but um, I'd, uh, tell me about the, the opportunity for using existing mills in Sudbury. I mean, could you, um, <clears throat> is, is there a possibility that you could potentially tolerate this or come to an arrangement with a mill to avoid you having to build the plant? Yeah, yeah, that's, that optionality is there for us. So, you know, if the economics proved it, we could conceivably build a mill for ourselves and to process this material. Uh, you know, this property is right next door to all infrastructure, um, you know, power, water, natural gas. Uh, we're about uh, five or six kilometers from the Trans-Canada Highway. Um, you can road access uh, to the site. And, and we are within less than 40 kilometers from the Valet Mill and the Glencore Mill. So that at this point in time have capacity. So infrastructure is there. Um, certainly uh, toll milling at one of the mills in town are, are certainly an option for us. Okay, so, so you'll be able to put that into your option studies and look at the trade-offs yep. between trucking and economics and commercial terms um, relative to building your own. Great. What a, what, a, what a good deal. That sounds really exciting. Um, uh, did the market, uh, I kind of know the answer to this, but did the market um, greet you with um, um, fanfare and toots and uh, streamers? And uh, did, did, it, um, did you get a huge reward in your, in your share price? Not as much as we'd hoped, if I'm being honest. Uh, you know, I think the, uh, our existing shareholders are very happy with the deal that we've done, what we've done. And, and I think people in People that are familiar with Sudbury and the nickel market know how challenging it is to make a deal with a company like Valet. So I think for that, that's a huge accomplishment for us. And it's like I said, it's only happened twice in the last 25 years. So, um, you know, we're, we're within a small group. I think one of the problems uh, is that the deal is not traditional. It's not a traditional uh, cash and shares up front for an asset. It is a profit sharing cooperation agreement where, um, you know, the, the, there is no exchange of capital up front. It is all based on the profits that will be generated from the project at some point down the road. And, and I think it's just a little bit of a different deal that, that not everyone is used to. But I think when you kind of think through the process, you realize that it does give us a lot of flexibility, it allows us to um, and in fact, it's, it's a good deal for both groups. I mean, it allows SBC the ability to recuperate all of its capital that goes into this project from day one, plus return an 8% return on our investment. Um, and really at the end of the day, if we're paying Valet a NPI of 37%, that means SPC is, is earning 63% of the profits on a deposit, which we may only have initially had uh, one third of or a half of so you know for us that that is a good deal and and really the uh you know the sum of these two parts is bigger than the individual so without combining these two assets together probably neither company would have been able to do anything with that asset so this is the the path forward to what we hope is you know the next steps for spc which is to move away from being just a straight exploration company into hopefully being a, a, a new uh, you know, producer in, in what is arguably the best nickel camp in the world.
was was the deal flagged beforehand? I mean, I, I know you've been working on it for twelve months, but when when you came to market and you did your initial capital raise, and when you did your subsequent capital raise, uh, was this something that was in, in on the table, or is this something that you've been able to produce and say, look, I've actually delivered a um, effectively a, a, a resource drillable deposit? Um, well. You know, really for that 12 months, we haven't been really able to discuss it with anyone, which has been a bit of a challenge because we we knew we were getting close and and would eventually get this signed. But it was not something that we were able to share with uh, shareholders or potential investors. Uh, you know, we could hint of what we were trying to do, and that was to expand in Sudbury. And anyone that looked at our, uh, you know, our presentations would know that that little that asset next door was probably pretty key, but we weren't really able to socialize this with anyone. So this is kind of our first crack at getting this story out and introducing it to uh, our shareholder base and also uh, potential investors. Tell me a little bit about your shareholder base. Have you got any um, people who are, you know, absolutely into nickel or kind of institutions? Um, What does your shareholder register look like? Yeah, a, a lot of our, we, you know, we have a handful of major shareholders, uh, some of those being groups like Dundee Goodman, which is based out of Toronto. Uh, RCF Capital is another group that uh, is supportive of us. And a lot of these companies are also involved with some of the other nickel companies that are, are being active right now. So, you know, I think we're being looked at as a you know one of the one of the few junior kind of listed uh, nickel companies on the TSX that is kind of we feel moving in the right direction and now we're actually moving away from being just an exploration company and moving to look to advance a, uh, a advance an asset to towards production state. How much of your budget for this year is going to still be on the other exploration or, or it, does that all kind of slightly fall by the wayside and this becomes front and center? Yeah, we I would say, uh, you know, we have four other pro- uh, three other projects across Canada, uh, another asset in Sudbury and one just outside of Sudbury and then one in uh, northern Canada. You know, most of our focus is going to be entirely on this uh, West Graham Green Hill 3 opportunity. Uh, and that's where most of our efforts and our exploration budget will be going. Um, we still really like our camp scale nickel project that we've got up in Nunavut. And that's something that has garnished a lot of attention from uh, you know some potential partners. So that's a project that we strongly believe in, but given where it is located, we would like to bring a partner in to help us advance that project and really stay focused on growing the company around this asset in Sudbury, which is really just easy to work given where it is located. Yeah, makes sense. Um, Retain a carried interest or... um, or, or sell your non-core portfolio. Focus on your uh, on your existing uh, on, on your your core asset, West Graham. Good. Um, how much money have you got, and and how will you, uh, and and what do you plan to do now? I'm pre- presumably it's drill, baby, drill. Yes. So I think we're our current treasury is around three million dollars. Um, you know, the objective for 2023 will be to produce an updated resource of the combined property. And I think once we do that, that'll really show the market uh, what the opportunity is and really show the market what we are getting out of this deal with Valet. 
Um, so that's our number one priority is to get an updated resource. So that'll include a lot of drilling this year, you know, anywhere from the 20 to 30,000 meters um, that we'll have to initiate here soon. And that's what we're working towards is getting the drills out in the field and get getting them the turning. Uh, you know, we will have to do some additional financing this year. Uh, and that's something that we're, uh, we're looking at right now. But most of our existing shareholders are very supportive. So we feel like we'll have some, uh, uh, certainly have them back into the next financings. Uh, good. Um, just in terms of the, I mean, you talk about 20 to 30,000 meters of drilling. Uh, from what you know of West Graham already, uh, to get an inferred resource, are you, what are you able to do in terms of drill spacing? Is is it consistent enough for you, for you to be able to space the holes, I don't know, 40 or 50 metres apart? Or do you, is the variability so high that you have to come in closer? That's something that we're working on uh, with the engineering group. Uh, you know, we feel like the variability, there's not a lot of variability in this deposit and it's fairly consistent. So, you know, I think traditionally in Sudbury, um, 40 meter spacings has been sufficient. So, but we're gonna make sure that we, uh, you know, the nice thing for us is we have the West Graham resource, which is, uh, you know, has already had a, a 43-101 report done on it in 2009. So we can use that to see and transfer that over to the Creed Hill property to see what spacings we have to drill at. But we're kind of expecting in that 30 to 40 meter centers that we'll have to drill. And is there anybody in your team that was involved in that uh, prior resource uh, work? No, that was that was before us. I mean, uh, my team is mainly uh, ex uh, Falconbridge uh, and Strata and Glencore uh, individuals, as well as people that were involved with uh, one of the first deals that was done with Inco or slash Valet in uh, in the early 2000s, which was uh, with FNX Mining. So one of our directors was the, the one of the main persons involved with that deal uh, that resulted in building uh, a, you know a really great success story in Sudbury that's still going you know 20 plus years later. You you've been in uh, the industry all your life, um, or, or for the majority of your working life has been in nickel. Um, have you have you done this transition from deposit through to production, or uh, are you uh, you know how far down the Downstream, do you go? No, is the answer. I've uh, I've been involved in the discovery resource stage, uh, and then you know I was involved with some discoveries in Falconbridge. That you know, in that case, it gets handed off to the engineering department after the exploration group you know proves up the resource, it moves off. So uh, you know, I have been involved in some of the building of some of the mines in Sudbury, uh, but this will be my first shot at uh, you know taking a project from the exploration resource uh, through to uh, hopefully a development uh, and production stage. But I've got a good strong team behind me and my board of directors that have done this this before in Sudbury. So I lean on them a lot for 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 help. Excellent. Well, I, I wish you all, all, all luck with it. Um, uh, it sounds as if you've got a tiger by the tail in the sense that um, you and I both know that in exploration is such a high risk business that uh, actually finding an economic deposit is is such a rare occurrence. And so to have something which has got simple metallurgy, close to surface, close to infrastructure, um, decent grade, it's, it's, it's something really to, to, to get your teeth into, isn't it? Yes. I mean, nickel, anyone that's in the, been in the nickel business knows that it's up there as one of the most challenging deposits to find. There's not a lot of new nickel deposits that come online. So being 
in an established camp with all of that history and all of the infrastructure uh, is a huge advantage for us. Open pitable as well, because the the the, yeah. uh, the 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 typical morphology of nickel sulfides are kind of narrow vein underground, kind of subvertical, very um, uh, inconsistent along strike and depth. Uh, it, it, it can be quite a challenging metal to uh, put a reserve around. Whereas if you can get get a large bulk tonnage to a degree i mean 80 meters isn't isn't huge but essentially it's a it, 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 it's a bulk tonnage um target that you're looking at it, it's a massive advantage yes yeah um good so what's the work plan what's the what's, what's the next six months looks like look like in terms of news flow uh it'll be drilling uh that'll be the plan for at least the next six months so we should have a continuous stream of drill results coming out as we work towards building a, uh, a new kind of global resource of the property. Um, you said you're working towards getting the rigs turning. How many are you thinking and, and, and when will they be deployed? Uh, we'll probably initially start with one and ramp up to two. These are all very short holes, so it moves really quick and it'll be a challenge for the, the technical team to stay on top of the uh, mountain of core that'll be coming out of the ground. Diamond? Yeah. Good. Um, and will you be doing a little bit of logging yourself to keep your your eye in? Or have you not got time for that these days? <laughs> Do you know what? I like to try to stay involved as much as I can. I probably, I don't know if I'll be logging any drill holes, but uh, I'll certainly, I, I certainly like to keep an eye on the geology because at, at, at heart, I'm always, uh, I'm an exploration geologist and I've uh, spent a lot of time on Sudbury in the past. And it's something, it's a uh, it's a deposit that still always fascinates me and and you know anytime i can and look at some sudbury rocks i i take the opportunity and there's also the fact that you've probably got uh the the greatest amount of experience on the on the, on this geology and um by coming in on a weekly basis or once a fortnight where, where, however frequently it is um you'll be bringing not only experience but also fresh perspective because you're not going to be so close to it that you can't see um the wood for the tree so to speak yeah I don't want to. I don't want to micromanage the group, but I'm. I'm probably in there every day, getting in their way, looking at drill cores. So, uh, but now with the now with this project, I'll probably have to spend a little bit more time in at the desk in front of the in front of the computer. Yeah, I think your your little team is going to have to remind you to and get on with the marketing, Grant. <laughs> get on with the marketing. Go and raise yes. the money. Just leave us alone for a bit. <laughs> yes, I think Good. so. <laughs> Good. Um, well, thank you very much. It's been a really useful uh, introduction to the company. I'll certainly um, put it on the watch list and uh, do come back when, when you've got some drill core from um, Cream Hill 3. Uh, I, I, presumably, you're going to be doing petrographic studies as well and just that um, all, all of the, the low cost but important work that will help you advance to a better understanding of the deposit. Yeah, it's, it makes more sense to do it right now instead of having to come back later and do it. So, yeah. Yeah. Good. Thank you very much. Thank you.